0: My guest today is John Rulon. John is the world's leading authority in maximizing customer loyalty through radical generosity. He's the founder, CEO, and author of Giftology and has been featured in Fox News, Forbes, Fast Company, Inc. and the New York Times. While becoming the number one performer out of 1.5 million sales reps for one of the world's most recognizable brands, John developed a system of using generosity to gain access to elite clients and generate thousands of referrals. He and his firm now help automate this process for individuals and organizations like UBS, Raymond James, D.R. Horton, Keller Williams, the Chicago Cubs, and Caesars Palace. John and the Giftology team can help any individual turn their clients into their own personal sales force to drive exceptional growth. John Rulin, welcome into the corner office.
1: Hey, thanks for having me,
0: Brian. (laughs) Well, it's great to have you here. Gosh, we met back in early May of uh, 2019 at uh, a wonderful conference, Current 19, of our mutual organization, C12, and I was enthralled. And I was so pleased when you responded positively to come onto the podcast along with a lot of other C12 uh, CEOs just so they could learn a little more about you and, you know, kind of the secret sauce to your success and sharing that with our audience.
1: Yeah, no, I'm excited. I, I love working with uh, with believers in, in in leadership. So this uh, this should be a lot of fun.
0: Awesome, John. Well, let's get started. And I know parts of your story, and and pardon my laughter in advance because I know you've got some pretty pretty funny angles and directions that have taken place over the years. But let's start with those early years and tell us a little bit about where you grew up and you know what your early family life was like.
1: Yeah. Well, a lot of times people hear the Cubs and some of our professional sports franchises that are clients and they either assume they can't work with us or John got lucky and his dad was like VP of sales or something for the major league like, baseball. And he grew up like in New York at a country club. Uh, the exact opposite is true. I'm a yeah. farm boy from Ohio. I grew up milking goats every morning, one of six kids on 47 acres in the middle of Nowheresville, Ohio. And fantastic. uh fantastic. Where were uh, you
0: in the pecking order of the of the six kids?
1: Uh second oldest. Second, second oldest, oldest. Yeah. Okay. So in the middle there. And and uh I hated bailing hay every summer when everybody else was going to the swimming pool or Disney World. I was up in the hay mile, it was 125 degrees and you know, I was like, this is for the birds. I want to do All something right. else. And uh decided I was I'd get great grades and go make mom proud and be a doctor. Um, but uh, but my life really kind of changed uh really out of desperation. God had a different plan. He didn't want me to be a doctor. I I was uh I I went interned with Cutco, the knife company. A lot of people are familiar with Cutco. Right. You know, it's like the Rolex of knives and handmade up in New York and blah blah blah. But they have a huge internship program. And I and I had a buddy of mine who was going to seminary and um he was the antithesis of a salesperson and he was selling these crazy knives. And I'm like, Steve, you couldn't sell water to somebody in the middle of the desert. Like, how are you selling like $5,000 knife sets? And, uh, and I said, if Steve Wiggers can do it, I can at least try. Um, but really, not, the training, uh, what people don't realize is the sales training that they give is, is some of the best in the world, maybe the best yeah. in the world for a college kid. I did it out of desperation to make money for, for a, a semester of college. But uh, my girlfriend's dad was this amazing Christian man. He was a, an attorney. He was a rainmaker, like referrals coming out of his ears. Mm. And, uh, and when you're poor, you notice when people are generous right? and right. he was this generous, amazing, like he'd find deals on noodles and buy like everybody at church, like a, 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 literally a semi load of noodles. And like, I'm like, Paul, that was 30 grand. What are you doing? Um, and so I remember pitching him the idea of giving away. I thought all of his clients are CEOs of financial advisor firms and construction companies and real estate companies. I thought maybe I'll buy him a pocket knife for Christmas. Uh, uh, that was my hope, you know, my desperation. I was pitching him twice in two weeks and, and, uh, he changed my life forever. He said, John, I don't want to order, um, pocket knives. Cause I order a hundred of the paring knives. Wow. wow. And I'm like, I'm like, Paul, why, yeah. why? Like you didn't give a bunch of grown men CEOs a kitchen tool. And, uh, and I'll never forget it. This was like the, this was the line that really changed God used to change my trajectory. Is like, John, in 40 years in business, the reason I have more access, loyalty, referrals, deal flow, I found out that if you take care of the family and business, everything else seems to take care of itself.
0: So true. So true. And
1: that was well, that, uh, the light, That was the lightning bolt moment.
0: That's awesome. Well, I want to rewind a little bit, hear a little bit more about your earlier days and, and your time with your parents. Did they both grow up on farms too? Or are you, you come from a family of farmers?
1: Yeah, um, my, my mom grew up one of 13 kids Oh my uh, gosh! and wow. uh, my grandfather was a farmer. And uh, so I have 62 first cousins. Wow. um and uh and <laughs> so a family. huge huge family my grandfather was a uh, a very humble man but he started yeah. a business and was very successful but th- almost all of my relatives have farming somewhere even though um, you know, they, that might not be their full-time income. It's right. like their passion and their hobby. So, awesome. um, awesome. so yeah, we come from that. Well,
0: who are some of the people that inspired you earlier on? It sounds like, you know, being the, the second or third, I think you said in the, in the, in the chain of six, you probably were also kind of father figure to some of your younger siblings. Yeah. Were there people that inspired you beyond mom and dad in the early days?
1: Uh, I mean, my grandfather was, even hmm. though he was a man of many or a few words, like I'd go fishing with him on the pontoon boat. And he would tell me, you know, like if he spoke, you listened and, right. uh, and having a business now that employs probably 60 of my relatives, um, you know, five, almost going on five generations now. Like he, uh, he was very, like, I'd learned some lessons from him, you know, about trust and, and, you know, being true to your word and those sorts of things. Yeah. Um, and then I, my other grandfather actually owned a small business as well. And so nothing was ever handed to us. Like I grew right. up thinking out and feeling I was poor because my mom wasn't involved in the family business, but, uh, but my, my, my father was into sales. He was always a great sales uh, person. Unfortunately, my parents split when I was pretty young. Okay. And so it was kind of a blended family. Um, and so I would say I was always seeking out father figures because, mm. because of that, maybe because of that split. Um, yeah. and so I've always yeah. felt comfortable. Like I joined rotary at, uh, before I was even out of college at 21, because I, I had mentors that were seeking. those Yeah. yeah, They were pillars of the community and they're like in their 60s, 70s, 80s, and I'm 21. And I felt very comfortable hanging out with those people. I was never the guy out like partying and buying beer. I was always wanting to get ahead and, and, you know, be around people that were a hundred times more successful than I was. Awesome.
0: When did you come to Christ and and what role did he play in your upbringing?
1: Yeah. I mean, I I grew up always, I, I grew up, uh, Um, going to a a small little Catholic, uh, church and school, um, knowing of God and knowing, you know, believing that there was a God, but not Mm -hmm. really having a relationship there. Uh, when I was 17, a guy on my basketball team, who was like the stud at the tri-star athlete, straight A's, you know, like humble guy, like he started inviting me to, uh, to go to Bible study. And I'm like, you go to Bible study on Sunday. What are you talking about a Wednesday night Bible study? Like, this seems so weird to me. <laughs> and, uh, and, but he, but then he started inviting me to this, uh, this, uh, marathon, uh, volleyball marathon practice. And I'm like, Oh, I'll play volleyball. Of course, Bible study was after that. And I, just, I that was opened my eyes to, he a, a, yeah, he got it. me tied into a, you know, group of believers that loved on me. And, and I just was like, man, I don't, I didn't realize you know, I almost was half ticked off because I was like, I didn't, I, I spent like <laughs> Little many years there. You, well, no, not at, not at that. It was actually oh. more, more upset at that going to, you know, the the school I went to, religion class for for uh-huh. six years. I never never got to, know Jesus uh, yeah, nev- never yeah. not to go to Jesus and having a relationship and yeah. any of that. So I was like, what the heck? Um, yeah. Now I've come to terms with, you know, I, I think there's a lot of amazing people in, in all different walks of of us, you know, different sects of Christianity. But right. But at the time I felt a little bit but, but yeah, there was this, when I was 17, I accepted Christ and what went an from, awesome I was going to go to it. Yeah. And that changed where I went to college. It changed. Yeah. I mean, really, it changed everything.
0: Were you a good student in school? It sounds like he was, was that, uh, also a goal of yours to get good grades and go on to college?
1: Yeah. I, I never got one B in, in school. Cause I wow. hated the blue collar stuff and I was always the, uh, the pleaser, the overachiever. Yeah. So, yeah. uh, so yeah, school, fortunately, um, came easy to me. And, and, uh, at least in that regard, it did. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I was like, I'm gonna, I'm, that was my ticket out. You know, it's like, go be a lawyer or doctor, get straight A's and go be a lawyer or doctor. That was the only two people I knew that made money outside of, um, so yeah, that was kind of the goal from an early age.
0: You mentioned sports. What other kinds of things did you do outside of class, you know, music, theater, public speaking, anything like that?
1: Um, I played basketball, uh, since I was young, Has always been a passion. I always wanted to be an NBA player and that just wasn't in the cards. Um, I, I, yeah, I'm still play to this day one or once or twice a week at five 30 in the morning with a group of guys and, and, uh, and love the sport, love following it. Um, I played, you know, a handful of other things. My mom in her wisdom, uh, never let any of us, six kids play, uh, or my five brothers play football. She said it was like, not good for your head and your brain and all this other stuff. I'm like, mom, <laughs> come on, ball. everybody's playing.
0: I'm like, you know, she was, she, she well, was you're always Iowa, black right. She, I mean, come on, it, that's it. Ohio.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Ohio, I mean, it's a right. big deal. Yeah. You know, football hall of fame is right. You know, 45 minutes away. That's right. But she, but she was like, you know, before there was a whole food, she was shipping in like holistic vitamins and going wow. to the chiropractor and, you know, and, uh, she came from the medical field and left it, uh, because she felt like it was broken even 40 years ago. Um, so she was on the cutting edge of a lot of different things that that's everybody fantastic. thought she was weird. <laughs> so I, I, grew up, I think with a Ahead willingness. Yeah. I, I think because of my mom, I grew up with a willingness to be weird. Cause she was never, she was like, if it's the right thing, it's the right thing. Mm. Um, I don't nice. care what anybody else thinks. And, uh, and so I got that, I think a lot from my mom. And so I, I, uh, even to this day, people are like, how do you do that thing, like you're, you know, how do you sell knives? Isn't that weird? And I'm like, uh, I'm like, I've always been, my mom's always been willing to be weird yeah. in a good way. Not just to, you know, some people are weird for the sake of being weird. Right. Uh, but if it's part of your core beliefs and you really feel like, you know, it's at a core level, it's a truth. So, so anyway, yeah, I, I grew up loving sports. Big
0: inspiration for uh, yeah, you as well, yeah. yeah. What, what about yeah. entrepreneurial things? I know we're going to get into giftology and the work you did through vector marketing, etc., but were the things that you did growing up, you know, did you have the ubiquitous uh, paper route? Did you sell Christmas cards? You know, do those types of things when you were younger.
1: I, I did. Uh, I worked for my, my stepdad, had a tree business, and so I worked uh, as the brushy, you know, using the chainsaw at a young age sure. and chipper and all that kind of stuff. So I made... Yeah good money, you know, working hard that way. I would say the one thing I did do when I was in in middle school, I went, bought candy at the five and dime store and I, and I would sell it Ah. during study hall and band. And I, and I remember counting, I remember counting. Yeah. Repackaging (laughs) it buying it in bulk. And I remember counting, I think I had like $160 that I was counting in study hall and the teacher saw it. And I, and I got turned into the the principal and I'm in my candy shop, got shut down. Um So I was like, you know, you're, it's so fair. funny.
0: You're about the third or the fourth CEO where that story has come up. You know, people figured out, go buy in bulk at Safeway or what have you and and sell it in individual pieces. How long did that go on for? Were you able to do that yeah. for a couple of years or did couple that weeks. only last a couple of weeks? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> count your like, profits, got stuck This is, God, God, God it, stuck it, this is
1: socialist. This is socialist. What are you talking about? Like, I, why can't I make I money it. at school? Like there's a captive yeah. audience. Uh, They didn't plan ahead. Why should that not be a a business opportunity for me? Yeah, it got shut down in two weeks, unfortunately.
0: Now, did you pay your way through college? It sounds like you probably had to, given your upbringing. And, you know, what did you do to kind of support that education process?
1: Yeah, yeah, I definitely did. My mom and dad said, hey, you know, we want you to go to college. But, you know, with six kids and one income, one very meager income, like that's just not in the cards. So I knew early on. Uh, and th- yeah, I think that's part of what motivated me. Um, it's, it's definitely what motivated me to start my first little business when I was a freshman in college working for the cable company. You know, yeah. I was able to make 50 bucks an hour climbing the ladder, you know, and, uh, I had my own little pickup truck. What were you doing for them? Um, they were updating their yeah. network and changing out equalizer parts, um, on the, on, the, on okay. the, but I fell off the ladder a couple of different times and almost you got killed. Uh, and I was like, that was oh. like, this isn't a. You know, the whole blue collar thing isn't working for you, John. You need to find something else. And that really what led me out of desperation, you know, to go and in, in, interning with Cutco because I'm, you know, I'm like, I got to make more than six bucks an hour um, to pay for a private, you know, Christian university education it was Malone University's, right. you know, 15, 20 grand a year at the time. And, uh, sure. and so sure. without that, you know, and so my wife and I go back and forth, we have, we have three kids and a fourth on the way are we going to pay for college? And I'm like, Oh no, we're not going to pay for college. Like I'll pay off their debt maybe at the end, if they, um, if they prefer, right. you know, if they go and they take it seriously. But I'm like, part of what motivated me to be entrepreneurial and to think outside the box was, you know, like, there's nothing like, you know, learning grit and determination and perseverance, like desperation of needing to pay for something. So, um, for me, that was a big deal.
0: So, John, uh, when you went to college, uh, how did you pick a major and you know decide where you wanted to go?
1: Well, I originally uh, was thinking I was going to Xavier, at d one school, where my oh, yeah. actually the guy who led me to Christ was going for a baseball scholarship, and then decided God was calling me to uh, to Malone University, a lot smaller university, and uh, was planning on going to med school, so I was pre med, and uh, just fell in love with Malone. Actually, that's where uh, a couple friends were going. It was about an hour from where I grew up, nice. and uh, and um, but yeah, I ended up uh because of the stuff with Cutco and whatever else I I, I put med school on hold but uh but originally it was like hey get your undergrad degree at a great christian university I was you know I was new christian and didn't want to go off to a huge school like I knew right. I kind of needed the the smaller 3 4000 person experience and and uh it was you know was really happy I made that decision Yeah
0: cool and then did you finish your bachelor's there or did you move on to another location
1: I did I uh yeah. I almost I thought about dropping out of school cuz I I um
0: when yeah, you started with Cutco, right? When, yeah. when did that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I
1: started when I was 20. So I 20, interned there yeah. and, uh, and, um, and so, yeah, I thought it was going to, um, yeah, I I was at some level, one, one summer of selling Cutco taught me more than I'd learned in almost, you know, 12 years of school or college or anything else. Like it was, I mean, it was like basically drinking from a fire hose. Cause I didn't really think of myself as a <laughs> salesperson or a business person or, right, right. you know, like you just, you, um, it's amazing how when you're thrown into the deep end of the pool, uh, the amount of things that you ha- you're you forced to learn very quickly. And, right. uh, and for me, that was the case.
0: Well, you know, your reputation precedes you, believe it or not. Just the other day, I have a candidate for a, a senior level job. I, I obviously can't mention who he is, but he worked with Cutco and Vector back in the day. And I said, well, you happen to know, John. He goes, John Rulon, are you kidding me? He's a hero. (laughs) And he was in a district over from you, but he was very familiar with your background. And uh, gosh, you've been working with him for how many years now? 15, 20, close to that?
1: Yeah, I I interned with him 19 years ago. And and even to this day, people like, you know, the New York Times will reach out and like, John, what's the hot new sexy gift? What's the hot thing everybody's picking? And I'm like, the stupid same guys? thing it was 20 years yeah. ago. I'm like, the stupid <laughs> guys are like, are you serious? Like they think I'm joking. I'm like, no. Like it's actually was still to this day like one of the most popular gifts that people buy through us. And and people are shocked that we're still connected to them. I'm like, we still have a handshake agreement. Like the so the awesome. owners of the company, it's privately owned. They're just a, the 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 people who lead the company are just. You know, like salt of the earth. I mean, they're running a $300 million company and they're, you know, they're flying, you know, uh, commercial and connecting through to save a hundred bucks. Like they're just these low, humble, just, you know, honest, amazing. I can't speak, you know, um, often enough about just the leadership and who they are.
0: Oh, they're fabulous. You know, I, I started a new diet and a workout program where I do a lot of smoothies and so forth. So I literally travel with my own knife because so fine. often I find myself in hotel rooms, etc. And so uh, I better get one of those Cutco sets myself. I uh, <laughs> <No> <laughs> l- doubt. lost my little blue light somewhere along the way. So, so what was that first job out of college or, or did you go straight to Cutco and become full time straight away after you achieved your degree?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I interned with Cutco. I thought it would, maybe if I was lucky, it would last four weeks. I committed four weeks. That was kind of like the, you know, like sink or swim. You're either going to figure it out or not. And I did 40 appointments in my first 10 days. And, uh, and so, you know, my, when I, I started working where I went, when I went and pitched my girlfriend's dad, like that was the life changer. Cause I was like, I, when I, when he bought a hundred business gifts and, uh, to, for his top (laughs) hundred clients, I was like, Oh my gosh, like it really wasn't about the knife. And that's where people mess up. They choose the what of the gift first. And and really right. the, the gift is just a delivery vehicle. But I realized that nobody was teaching people how to use generosity, true generosity mm. and gratitude as a competitive competitive advantage in business. And so when I went to go talk to people about this, they didn't care about the knives, but they all cared about how they could 100X their referrals or how they could yeah. increase their profits by 20%. And I realized like when I actually modeled what Paul was was doing I would get access to $200 million companies and I'm 21 years old. And I'm like, holy crap, this stuff works. <laughs> like, <laughs> like now is not anybody teaching it. Nobody's doing it or using it. And All so right. I was like, this is my, you know, I, I got to the point where I was like, this is my calling. Like I'm gonna create a business and outsource gifting agency. And so I never really considered myself a person selling knives. Like even right. Cupco, when I went and turned in my first order that was really large, it was for a thousand knife sets. Like they thought it was fraud. And they they turned it oh. in, and they they thought I was buy I sold a credit card, or, or collected I, I credit was, cards, yeah, yeah. yeah or yeah. I was or I was flipping the knives because they're real protective of the brand where it could be sold at. They thought I was selling them on sure. eBay or overseas, and uh, but I always told people like it's not about the gift, it's about the system. It's basically redirecting people's marketing dollars, and so I really considered myself a marketing agency right. that was just using a tool that nobody else was using. Um, so once I made that decision, it was like, why would I go? quarter to a half a million dollars in debt and go to school for another six years when I can go when, when at, the, at the end of the day, like I really didn't even like, you know, cutting people open or anything. I was doing it because I like people. And, and frankly, I was motivated by the money, which was the wrong motivation to go be a doctor. Right. Um, and so my heart was changed and was like, dude, you're like, this is what, you know, God's called you to do is to go teach people how to be more radically generous.
0: Well, and you're using knives in a very different way. Insurgency. Yeah. I didn't think
1: about it that way, but yeah, <laughs> but yeah. No scalpels. No, uh, yeah, yeah. No, uh, no bandages. Hopefully. Um, yeah, very different. So, so very
0: giftology, different. I mean, you know, you've alluded to it. wonderful concept and those of you of our audience that haven't had a chance to go to John's website, it's giftology.com. Right. And, yep, yep. uh, please get a chance to go there. He's got some wonderful tools and some of his uh, presentations, you'll just be enraptured by this whole concept of, of of really giving ahead, right? As a way in which to build your business. And again, as he said so often, it's not about the gift, it's really about the generosity you show the people you work with. Now, did, did Giftology get founded pretty cl- close after you, uh, or pr- pretty soon after you got out of college? Or did you work with with the Cutco folks for a while? Tell us a bit, kind of the evolution to to get you to where you are today.
1: Yeah. We didn't, we didn't coin the term giftology until three years ago. Um, and so it was the ruling group for a long time, but nobody knows what the ruling group is. Right. I mean, but, but the, what's, what's interesting is we, you know, we published the book three years ago, but a lot of what's in the book, I learned 19 years ago Yeah. and people are now like, I mean, we're getting silly. I mean, we're charging 30 grand for a keynote domestically and 60 grand internationally. And, and my wife is, just baffled that people even pay me a dollar to speak. Because she's like, I remember when you, <laughs> like, I remember when you're you're begging to speak for free. Like, how are people paying that much? And um, and, and a lot of it is like, I'm like teaching. They're like, she's like, you're teaching people the same thing you were teaching in college. Like, why are people paying you more money now? And it's like, well, because now, like, because of the level of clients and there's well, a and the there's in the success it, behind yeah. it. People yeah. are now really like coming out of the woodwork, like, "Oh, you're an overnight success." I'm like, "Yeah, after 20 years, like, it's amazing." Um, but a lot of the core principles that are in the book, I learned from Paul, like the idea of mm. you know going all in on a handful of people versus going mediocre on the masses. Like that was Paul. Like he would he would pick That's up right. the tab on a di- on a dinner as a surprise for people at a, at a pizza shop after a game, not because it was a business tactic. It was just he was always asking himself, "What's the most I can do here?" And most people, even Christian leaders, if they're honest with themselves, they might be generous in their charities or in their business or in their uh, their family. But they're cutting corners in how they treat people in their business, their employees, their right. clients. They're right. they're they're not going all in. And so uh, it's so funny. Like people are like, "Giftology came out of nowhere." I'm like, "Well, maybe the term giftology came out of nowhere, right. but the concepts of being generous, they're really has always been there. It's always well, been there. And and frankly, it's it's what's in the Old Testament, like."
0: Yeah. It go, exactly, because it it's back to biblical, and of course, Christ, you know, is the example of that. And and look at Paul. Look at the biblical Paul, yeah. right? You know, the, his the mentoring he did with people like Timothy, and you know, all the letters he wrote to the various churches. Wow, what a giving soul he was, right? Yeah, in terms of giving his knowledge and and what he's provided us centuries later, as it relates to really kind of how to live our lives daily.
1: Yep. Yeah. The, yeah. the idea of being radically generous and being a gift giver, yeah. like you know, it's the five love languages, like. That's There's right. five different ways you can give. They're all love. Yeah. And in business people, I think, I think a lot of Christian leaders have thought of it as a weakness. Like, I don't want to be too generous. I don't want mm. people to take advantage of me. And what's interesting is like Southwest Airlines is one of the most profitable airlines on the planet. What's their theme? Love. That's Loving right. Loving on people, going That's the right. extra mile, big going, hearts. big yeah. hearts. <laughs> and so like, I hear, I hear people talk about conscious capitalism and I laugh and I'm like, conscious capitalism is supposed to be Christianity. Like right. um, right. and, we've, and I think we've lost sight of that. And, and a lot of what we're teaching is like stuff that was from the Bible. We just forgotten about it in our Western society. Yep. We say we're relationship oriented, but a lot of businesses, unfortunately, are very transactionally oriented and they don't have the long game in mind.
0: Yeah, you know, in the secular world, uh, John, it's it's sometimes difficult, particularly as we can become more successful, to to really stay close to Christ and stay close to, you know, our core beliefs. H- h- how do you do that every day or every week? What does that look like for you? Staying humble and staying close to Him.
1: Well, I married the right woman on the stay humble part.
0: <laughs> good, good, good answer. She's strong. <laughs>
1: And she's like, John, you, you know, I'm not your cheerleader. You married me because I, I was grounded, and you're the visionary, and mm-hmm. you're the guy up in the clouds, and like, I'm going to be the realist. You can be the optimist. That's that's fine. Like, and and she loves me, and she's proud of me. But mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, like, she's she's brutally honest with me and candid, and loves me enough to tell me the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I you know I, I have a business partner who's very much wired differently than I am. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's also, even though he's fiscally. You know, conservative. He's in his personal life, and and like he's the kind of guy that would never say it. But every every year, they up their tide by a half percent. Wow. Um And so I I, I tend to surround myself with other givers that hmm. we I call I have a couple of different groups that are that are out give clubs where we try to out give each other, <laughs> and um and it's fun to have that kind of contest with people where people are doing things for each other and and operating that way in their business where you know, they're, they're pushing the envelope of what it means to be truly generous with your employees. Like I have one guy, you know, he's actually not a believer, but he's a man of faith, Jewish guy. And, Mm. you know, he's, he'll, uh, every year he finds 10 of his employees that he makes a dream come true for. And one of them was like tracking down their twin in another country and, and, uh, just doing things that cost thousands, if not tens of thousands of dollars that, uh, that pour into that employee's life and make their quality of life better. And, and, and so I think that, uh you know it's it, you got you become the five people yeah. that you surround yourself with most. Uh the books you read and the people, you know, as a Charlie tremendous Jones had that quote, the, you know, those those are the influences. And so if you're not in the word and you're not surrounding yourself with people that are living in the word, then we can all become pretty stingy and selfish and self-centered. And if you're around people that that are doing bigger things and being more generous, then then I I constantly like there's a couple author groups then I'm like, I don't qualify uh-huh. to be in this group based upon the number of books sold and keynote fees <laughs> and whatever else. They make me feel I like surrounding myself with people that make me feel small, not in a bad way, but in a good way. It's like you know, playing basketball. If you you know, if you want to play varsity, um, you know, and you're on JV, go hang out with a bunch of dudes playing varsity. Don't That's stay in right. the JV league. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I feel like in business, the more you surround yourself with people that are being radically generous with their relationships in a truly ongoing, consistent way, not for show, but because it's the right thing to do, right. um, it pushes my envelope to step up my game.
0: Yeah, so true. Any kind of daily devotional? I know you're involved in C12, so I'm sure you attend as many of the monthly meetings as you can, but yeah. you know, anything else that you do on a personal one-on-one nature to stay close?
1: Yeah, well, I, I spend time in the Asana uh, either reading a devotional or reading uh, mm-hmm. the Bible or just quiet time praying. Uh, that's right. my happy place. I I have, uh, I love the sauna. It's like where I just am able to chill out yeah. I feel like I'm kind of double. That's dipping. your chair. That's huh? my chair. That is my chair. That's right. <laughs> Two chairs. Yep. That's my, that's, it's a yep. three person sauna. So there's room for, I love uh, it. yeah. And, um, and so I, that's, and I have a, a, my best man at my wedding guy who doesn't live locally, but we, uh, we talk a few times a week and pray together, uh, FaceTime oftentimes, and, uh, he's somebody that just, his faith is just strong and, and, uh, and grounded. And, you know, when we're, you know, I'm, I'm coming up on 10 years of marriage and I'd like to say my, my marriage has been 10 years of bliss, but, but, uh, mm-hmm. I, there's been times where I've been a sucky husband or our marriage, you know, I wasn't sure if it was going to make it or not. Sure. And, uh, and having the right group of people that are there saying, dude, we love you. Stay strong, you know, no matter what, like, yeah, you know, God's in this and, uh, And so versus, you know, she's wrong or, you know, like you should leave or just be easier to start over. Like, you know, you need the right voices in your head uh, on a consistent basis. So so John Kane is that guy for me. Um, just just uh, pouring into me on a consistent basis and, and vice versa.
0: Awesome. Uh, you know, I remember back in May when I first heard you speak, you know, Giftology has had its ups and downs over the years. And uh, it sounds like most recently you've been on a pretty strong trajectory. How many employees now? And, you know, what's your, what's your reach, so to speak?
1: Yeah, yeah. So we're fortunate. Um, all of our suppliers like Cutco uh, give us dedicated staff on site to handwrite the notes and all the oh, little things. And so we're able to play like we're a fortune 100 company right, from a scale right. perspective, but we actually only have 12 employees.
0: Uh-huh, um, got and got so it. I'm, I'm and then fortunate all the outsource folks through and all the outsource folks. Yeah. yeah. And so yeah. I treat,
1: I, I see this, in, you know, all companies, but it, it shocks me how many, how many companies I send gifts to all of my suppliers that are nicer than most people send to their best clients. Right. And I feel like most companies, if they're honest with themselves, they don't have a business without their suppliers and they, they treat true. them like garbage or they, they constantly are turning the screws to them saying, hey, can you drop it another nickel on pricing? I'm like, I, I tell my employee or my, cus- my suppliers like Cutco, I want to make sure you're making money because I want you to be around for another 20 years. Yeah. And I want you to, like when my call comes in, I want you to take it first. And I want you to your employees to stay an extra shift to, to push out the order or take care of things. And, and uh, I want preferred pricing for sure. But, but it's amazing to me, like how many people don't take care of their suppliers. And for me, like I, I uh, I have, I love uh, my employees at Cutco, even though they're not on my payroll. So to speak, I, I, I gift them like they are.
0: That's so awesome. You know, my wife has a, a great saying, and she always reminds me. Said, "Brant, always remember the assistants. Always remember the admin support. Always remember the people that kind of make things happen, because you know they're the gatekeepers, but also you know they work the hardest. And uh, you know, it's 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 always very great, gratifying when you show the type of appreciation to those folks who really are a key part of your extended team. And I've I've always found I get it back tenfold.
1: Yep. I, I treat, uh, we call it the inner circle. Yeah. You know, my, my gifting budget started out $500 a month when I was in college. It's now, it'll be 500 grand for the year personally for gifts. Wow. And 80% of that is targeted at spouses, oftentimes yeah. wives um, of my employees, my clients, yeah. the spouses are huge because they're underappreciated and yet they, you know, they're the ones that you know, the support, the, the, you know, the backbone, the encouragement, but yeah, the assistants and the, the receptionist. I learned that from Paul, like he treated mm-hmm. the janitor at the same level as the CEO, not yeah. as a tactic. It was just the right way to treat human beings. But when you like the amount of times when I'm sending a gift and I send the same gift to the CEOs, I do the assistant or the event planner or the staff. And they see that they may never right. say it, but they see yeah. it. They're like, wow, you're treating me with the same amount of respect as a person cutting the check. And guess what? The amount it's of referrals that my clients get um, and the doors that get opened and the inside information of saying, hey, now's not the right time to ask for a deal or a proposal or whatever. Like, how about you wait three months because this happened or that happened? Like, they go out of their way to not only advocate, but to to help position what you're doing. And I see these pro sports teams that give like, you know, Ritz-Carlton level gift to the the executive and then like a Motel 6 level gift to the assistant. <laughs> I'm like, you guys are dumb. <laughs> like that is just, yeah. even from a selfish Business perspective, like that's just a dumb move. Like, don't you realize? It would make more when, sense when to you turn get... that around. <laughs> uh, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. If they were going to,
1: like, that, exactly. Um, yeah. And so, it's a simple concept of loving on the people around the executive, yeah, the decision so maker. But it's, but so powerful.
0: Love everyone always. How, yep. how has your leadership style evolved over time? Have you, you know, found that you kind of are managing your business a little differently today than you were twenty years ago? And if so, how?
1: Yeah. Well, I, I think I've always been, um, you know, relatively hands-off that got me in trouble with my assistant right-hand person when I was just a team of, you know, mm. two, me and my one, one person that got me in trouble with steal, you know, her stealing and taxes done wrong mm. and whatever else. Mm. Um, so I've always, you know, I, I think early on, I thought I had to do everything, you know, in order to be considered a real leader or a business person. And now like I'm, at a point where I'm I get so you know, so much excitement. Like I I got a burner phone and took 30 days off this summer for the first time ever and, and nice. literally disconnected from everything. And and I'm I love when I hear like so and so you know, showed up at the conference or the event, or took the phone call, and we like them better than you, John. And I'm
0: like, and I'm like, I'm like, that's great. Awesome. That's good yeah. to hear. Yeah. Like, I'll I'll I, yeah, yeah, I'll do more of that. Yeah, do more of that.
1: So I, I think. Uh, early on, by the way, John, press, your
0: voicemail box is full. I don't know if you knew that or not, but oh. yeah. <laughs> That's another ploy. Yeah, yeah I don't yeah, really like, need any more messages. No, no more messages. No more message. Yeah, exactly.
1: Um, so that's yeah, awesome. so I think I've been more more hands off and more empowering yeah. to those people and more, but okay with it from an ego and pride perspective sure. of saying like, sure. I want to build a team of people around me that are way better than I am and being okay with that and not feeling threatened, but feeling excited that, you know, I have an all-star team and I'm not the smartest guy in the room by any right. stretch of the right. imagination.
0: What do you look for when you're making bets on the people you invest in and hire?
1: Well, a lot of the women, uh, or a lot of the people that work for us are women that are, mm-hmm. um, college educated, stay at home moms ah. that are, uh, remote, in, in, kind of remote, remote, remote yeah, workforce. Yeah, remote yeah. workforce. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like the emotional intelligence, unfortunately, unfortunately are, of women is better. They're better gift givers yep. naturally. Um, so yep. they're better at it and they appreciate the flexibility of uh, like we pay to have all of our employees houses cleaned every other week. And that makes I it remember a lot you easier. Mentioned that. that is so, and so cool. Yeah. And so we do think, you know, we pay for unlimited babysitter and pay for their date nights. We pay, we're talking about now paying for marriage retreats. And, hmm. and so I feel like they're appreciative of things, but their attention to detail, their follow through their follow-up, their ability to gift, the emotional intelligence, all of that is better. Uh, But at a core level, the guys that I'm hiring are givers. Like I'm not trying to, you know, it's like, you know, the, the old adage of when they asked, I think it's Herb Keller. Hey, how do you, um, how do you train your, your staff at Southwest Airlines to be so friendly? He's like, I don't train friendliness. I just hire people that are already friendly. <laughs> they, were yeah, they were raised that way. Yeah, you know, they were raised that way. They hired cheerleaders. You know, they hired right. that, was, that was who they looked for early on. And so yeah. I don't try to convert people to teach them how to be givers. And I and what's interesting is that's carried over into even clients I look at. Like we're we're talking about creating an assessment of are you a giver, a taker, a matcher? Because if somebody's mm. not a giver, I probably don't want to work with them. Right. And I'm not right. going to try to convert you into being generous or being a gen- giver. If you're a giver and you want to give at a higher level and have your giving be more strategic, then you're a good client for us or sure. even a good employee. And so I've, I, early on, I used to try to convert everybody, including employees or clients, like, this is why you should be giver, a giver. And I'm like, gosh, like. That's just painful for everybody. That's that's a hard road. That's a hard, hard road. (laughs) Oh, like it's just not fun. So, but 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 finding people that are already amazing givers and that, you know, like a a couple of the employees that are high level, they've taken a massive pay cut because they buy, you know, they want ownership long-term and they buy into, this is a calling. This isn't, you know, like going and working at some fortune 50 company just for a paycheck. Like if you want to impact the world, and inspire a million leaders to go be radically generous with all of their relationships. Yes, we all want to make good profits and a lot of money. Like we're not, this isn't a non-for-profit business. Um, and we're not trying to help people just, you know, hold hands and sing kumbaya. And, and, (laughs) you know, like this is a legitimate business marketing strategy, but, but working with people that are already generous is just a, such a breath of fresh air, uh, versus, uh, converting people.
0: What would you say is most unusual or, or perhaps unique about uh, Giftology as a company?
1: Um, I, I mean, the, the all, all, all employees being remote, we don't have a physical office. Yeah. That's, that's on the more unique side. I think the culture of how we, you know, I, I tell people you can't expect Ritz-Carlton service unless your employees have been to the Ritz. And so that mindset of really caring just as much about the employee, I, I, we spoke at Google twice in the last five years. Mm. And and the amount of people that came up to me afterwards and said, Hey, like Google's awesome, but they just want to keep us on campus working 24-7. Mm-hmm. Like you're actually like I'm thinking about now, like I, you know, the, the um, you know, we watched this documentary called Stink that talked about all of the chemicals that are in your clothes mm. and,
0: right, and and, right. and
1: cosmetics right and all that. this kind of stuff. Yeah. And so you spend a third of your life on a bed. And so I'm buying all new mattresses <laughs> for my for my family cuz I'm like you're breathing in whatever is coming off of that mattress and this company reached out wanting to sponsor us and give us you know free 5 10,000 mattresses for my family and I'm like well that's great but what am I doing for my employees if I really care about their health and well-being yeah. shouldn't I be taking care of them the 8 hours that them and their spouse are sleeping and so I think we're just we think differently about you know yes I want I want their best work um, the eight hours that they're with us, but I want them to be even better as human beings when they're at home. And, uh, one of the guys I recently was with, um, really asked me a question that really turned me on my head was basically said, Hey, how would your employees, if there was an NPS score for your employees, kids, Mm. what would that be? How would they rate the company? (laughs) And I was like, Holy crap. Like that's a real MPS
0: score. <laughs> like <laughs> that puts a no get, perspective if, on if it. If you get if you yeah. get that,
1: if you get that MPS score right, you're probably gonna get the right MPS score from your clients. Um, there but, you go. but I think a lot of people don't think that way.
0: Well, listen, I have to tell you, you know, it's so refreshing to speak with you about these things, John, because you know, as an executive recruiter, so often my clients will say, Well, you know, what do they want? Another five grand, another 10 grand? And I'm like, no, you know, it's not about throwing more money at them. They're concerned about your culture or they're concerned about, you know, issues as it relates to vacation or the benefits that you have. Let's talk about those. And you've just touched on so many great ideas that I want to share with my potential clients and say, yeah, well, you know, let's, let's give them maid service, right? Let's give them, you know, something that's out of the extraordinary. That's going to make, create the really wow for your company. And it's probably, going to cost you less than five grand a year. And, uh, you know, we just need to think differently. And I just love that, John, listen, you've been so, so very generous with your time and, and I want to wrap it up, but we always ask one last question and that's, you know, what kind of career and life advice would you give to someone who, you know, has their eyes on their own corner office or specifically, you know, wants to be an entrepreneur like you and the success, bring on the success that you've had.
1: Yeah. Well, two things. Uh one is um I wouldn't be a, a giftologist if I didn't offer some sort of gift to your audience and tribe. Um and it doesn't cost hmm. anything. Um, but I, I found that, you know, people when they're wanting to incorporate what we're teaching, they, they, it can be overwhelming. I mean, I want to keynote people like what am I, hmm. you know, what do I do? What do I start first? And and so we created a white paper of at least the things to avoid giving as a gift, if you want to build relationships to get to yeah. the corner office or if you're a company wanting to think about your employees or clients. You know, gift cards are on there as the worst, awesome. apples on there as the worst, wine or food or beverages, they can go download that for free at thegiversedge.com. Uh, thegiversedge.com. And and it's also our top 10 articles that we've written for Forbes and Inc. of our best secrets. Um, but but specifically to your question, um, what I'd say is that um most people in any company, there's politics, yeah. you know, they are small, and most people when they're trying to qu- climb the ladder, they're stepping on people and you know they're trying to manipulate or, or whatever else. What I found is that, yeah, the, um, the, the people, if you're world-class at what you do, you, you can't suck it, you know, have as a service or as a, as a leader, like you have to be, you know, like you have to be a, go do the mm. hard work that it takes to be, a, you know, to have a company or be a great leader or lead a company. But what I've seen and mm. the book give and take is a great example of this, but it givers uh, most takers or matchers have like what I right. call a bullseye on their back. Yeah. of like, when you start climbing the ladder, people are get jealous and want to see and want to secretly grab a hold of your leg and pull you back down to where they're at. And I think that when you're generous, when you pour into your people, you know, mm. when you celebrate people, um, when you go all in on people, they, that you, you see people instead of having a target on their back, they want to lift you up because they know that when you're going up the ladder, you're going to reach back down and pull them along with, pull them with you. And so at a core level, like, you know, like we all want to be altru- <laughs> right, altruistic right. and like these amazing givers, but we all, we all kind of listen to the station with them, you know, what's in it for me. And when a, you, when you take the time to pour into other people and are a giver and are known as a giver and your world-class at what you do, I see those people rise mm-hmm. up above whether they're an entrepreneur whether they're, you know, like when you're right. generous that way, people right. will see you succeed. And so that would be my recommendation. And Playing the long game is not three months. That's what most people's yeah. long game is. Like, like I, I tell people all the time, if you're not willing to commit to us on uh, us outsourcing your gifting for three years, then don't come as a client. Yeah. You, it has to be a heart set and a mindset shift. Do more shift. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you try to be generous for six months as a tactic and then go back to being Ebenezer Scrooge, you're actually mm-hmm. going to do more harm so true. than than good, and so commit to it for for decades, not for minutes or, or months or even you know a year. That would be my recommendation.
0: John Ruin, founder author of Giftology, and of course CEO of the same name company. Thank you so much for sharing your journey into the corner office. Hey, thanks for having me.